It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by flick composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get right through now, it. COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, to hug her and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Rangers Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people, and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner. we got a good one in store today uh, as we roll into our three-hour tour. Coming up in the third half of our three-hour tour, we're going to talk with psychotherapist Marsha Berger about her new book, Marriage Minded, an A to Z Dating Guide for Lasting Love. In the middle of our show, the second hour, um, this is a fascinating uh, book and and story um, from David Ditchfield in the UK. It's uh, called Shine On, The Remarkable Story of How I Fell Under a Moving Train, Journeyed to the Afterlife, and the Astonishing Proof I Brought Back With Me. It's a fascinating conversation, and uh, that'll be coming up in just a little bit. But we start out this morning with um the uh let's see how do, how do i want to introduce my guest um he is uh, a business ad, uh he's a professor of business administration in the darden graduate school of business administration at the university of virginia and the co-author of a uh book called the ai marketing canvas a five-stage roadmap to implementing artificial intelligence in marketing and he joins me by phone his name is uh, raj venkatesan um I, I think i'm close to that 
uh, pronunciation. I'm usually terrible with names, but Raj joins me by phone. Hi, Raj. Welcome to the show. Hi, Tom. Thank you for having me. Um, Raj, um, this, as I remember back many, many years, of course, I'm kind of a kind of an old codger, but um, it was it was always said, regardless of of what you did to generating a sale, you know, what kind of advertising and marketing you did, whether you had billboards or telephone book ads or television commercials, whatever you did to advertise, sales were closed in person. How does AI manage to keep the experience personal in in a transaction? That's a great question, uh, Tom. Uh, Certainly, even in this day and age, I think the premium on the in-person interaction is definitely there. I think uh, where AI helps is providing the necessary information to the salesperson in terms of uh, what the customer's preferences are. You know, the, the good salesperson understands, reads the customer, and is able to see what the customer wants. Now, how can we take that skill that a good, experienced uh, salesperson has and spread the wealth around, if you may, across the entire sales force? And that's kind of what AI is trying to do, really, is understanding what customers are looking for and providing that information and arming the salesperson with that information. I, I just wonder how much um, privacy factors into this when you have artificial intelligence trying to match up customers with their with their needs. I, and again, I, I throw back to the olden days when uh, I would walk around in a, in a furniture store, for example, and, and I'd be shopping for something, a sofa or a chair or something. And... I, I would try to look invisible so a salesperson wouldn't <laughs> wouldn't come talk mm-hmm. to me until mm-hmm. you know I had shopped around a little bit and had a, a better idea of of the kinds of things I I might be interested in. Um, what about privacy and AI? That's a, definitely a really important question in all of this, right? Because AI uses a lot of data about customers and their browsing behavior and their you know, actions in the digital world. And it is always the other side of the coin is, are we responsible in the way we use that information? And like you said, even in your example, it was about you wanted the interaction with the salesperson and you wanted the salesperson to understand you when you were ready. Right. I think that, and that is the key here is uh, you can translate that into opt-in versus opt-out, right? I think where customers feel bad is that if they don't feel that they have control over the transaction and control over how their data is used. As long as companies are able to provide consumers control over the interaction and control over how their data is used, I think both the consumer and the firm can benefit. 
because it's in the firm's best interest for consumers to feel respected, protected, and safe in their transaction with the firms. And so I think uh, the key is to uh, provide customers that trust and safety. What? How would you define artificial intelligence, Raj? Um, you know, we see so much science fiction about, <laughs> you know, uh, artificial intelligence robots taking over the world and all that kind of stuff. But what is artificial intelligence in real life? So in real life, it is much more bounded. Uh, and I think, um, so uh, we would discuss this question a lot, Jim and I, when we wrote this book as to, because that was the first thing is what is AI? And for us, and especially for marketers and for business people. And the definition we landed in was uh, John McCarthy, who's considered the father of modern AI, uh, defined AI as if a machine does anything that if done by humans would be considered intelligent. That is AI. So we, it's, a, it's broad, but not broad enough that machines take over the world kind of thing or sentient machines, but it is more that if some human does this and you would consider the human intelligent, then that is AI. So in real terms, what uh, in business where AI gets used is you can think of AI as a machine that makes predictions. And in my field in marketing, it's a machine makes predictions about customers. And so we turn marketing into a field about making predictions on customers and using those predictions to take action. And and the book that you um, that you wrote and let me let me read the uh, the title here again: the AI marketing canvas, a five stage roadmap to implementing artificial intelligence in marketing. And uh, Jim Lasinski is also a co writer of the book. But my guest this hour is uh, the other. Uh, co-writer uh, Raj Venkatesan. And again, I'm not sure if I'm saying that exactly right, Raj, but... I think you got the right term, um, Venkatesan, and that was like 90% there, and that's awesome. <laughs> well, I appreciate your patience in teaching me how to how to pronounce it properly. Um, but let me... Uh, uh, let me ask this. The book suggests that uh, marketers should add AI to their uh, marketing toolkit or their toolbox. Um, what are the things in, in today's uh, uh, digital age that's in most marketers' toolkits that they should be adding AI to? So uh, we talk about uh, broadly uh, the actions marketers do is around customer engagement. So uh, customer engagement comprises of acquisition, how you acquire your customers, how you retain your customers, how you grow your customer business, and how you promote advocacy among your customers as customers uh, talk to each other and word of mouth. And marketers, this is a framework marketers use a lot for customer engagement and for designing their different campaigns. And what AI does is personalizes each one of them. So, for example, uh, in the book, we talk about um, 
customer acquisition, we give the example of Chase Retail Bank. And what they did was, uh, you know, banks are, nobody's going to the physical bank now and because ATMs are there and your mobile app has become so sophisticated. And what Chase realized is, to going back to your first point, actually, um, Chase was losing a personal connection with its customers because the tellers in the bank were that human connection that could uh, build a relationship between the customers and the Chase brand. So given that nobody is going to the retail uh, banks, Chase needed a way to personalize the way it presented itself to its customers online. So ironically, to do that at scale when you have millions of customers, you need AI. And what they did was work with this uh, AI company that understands how words create emotions in consumers. And so if you understand the customer's preference, whether they want savings, whether they want return on their investment, uh, whether they want a simple checking account with no hassle, uh, then if you understand this is what the customer is needing, then your ads can be personalized to their needs. And uh, Chase recruited this company to write the ad using machines, not humans. So we typically think of ads as this creative world where, you know, the madman John Draper world where inspiration strikes <laughs> and it's a creative right. process. These days, it is becoming where you can have machines run it at scale and personalize it to millions of customers. And Chase found in a pilot that it works so well that they decided to uh, do this for all their digital campaigns for the Chase Retail Bank. And you had the machines write the ad uh, and the uh, copy for uh, like all the consumers. So that's an example of how you take a traditional a model of, okay, you want advertisements to acquire customers, but you use AI to then personalize that to millions of customers. It's fascinating. I want to want to share a story with you about uh, something my credit union has done to more personalize basically um, electronic transactions. But I have a break coming up here, Raj. Uh, can you stick around for a few minutes? And Absolutely. We, good. So we can talk some more on the other side of the break. Um, my guest is um, Raj Venkatesan, and um, he is uh, one of the co-authors of the book AI Marketing Canvas, a five-stage roadmap to implementing artificial intelligence in marketing. And if uh, you're listening to us on WFOV 92.1 LPFM Flint, they are a broadcast service of the Flint Odyssey House Spectacle Productions and my friend Paul Herring. And we're going to let them squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. And uh, then we'll be back with uh, more of my conversation with Raj about uh, AI marketing. Um, so don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. There's lots more straight ahead. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-Double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Lions. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Dr. Comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all always. It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a kind and check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses. And where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County. Where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at Michigan.org. 
This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We continue uh, my conversation this hour with the uh, one of the co-authors of the AI Marketing Canvas, a five-stage roadmap to implementing artificial intelligence in marketing. He is himself a uh, business administration professor um, at the University of Virginia's Darden School of Business and um, joins me by phone Raj Venkatesan. And uh, Raj, welcome back and uh, thanks for sticking around. Sorry to make you sit through all that. That was no problem at all. <laughs> well, good. Just, um, just before the uh, the break, Raj, you were talking about a bank's use of uh, of technology to reach its its customers, and I was thinking about uh, a development that happened um, during the pandemic, where uh, people were using uh, ATMs for all kinds of transactions and not going into the banks proper and and I'm you know like a lot of people I monitor my accounts you know with my um, online uh, banking um, abilities uh, you know through through my uh, laptop but they started doing something I thought was really interesting uh, on there's a, a video screen now on the ATM machines and a teller appears and interacts with you hmm. in person and it's um it's been kind of interesting to see how it how that has evolved and and it's still quicker and easier for both the teller and the customer I think to use the ATM but there's much more personal contact yeah, yeah, I think so. I think that's a fabulous idea uh, because it. Uh, I think what it allows is definitely less real estate. Uh, real estate is a premium, and banks, uh, if they use ATMs efficiently, they can get the human connection as well as get uh, uh, better use of their resources. Uh, and also, I think the teller can have information, and they've had that, right? Whenever you go to the bank and, you know, you give your account number, a screen pops up in front of the teller showing, you know, all your balances and also how long you've been your cu uh, customer and uh, whether you've, uh, you know, the history and such. And so that helps them uh, have a better uh, interaction with you. And also, you can see even online, you can start seeing those things happen. Because even on your laptop, you can start seeing um, tellers, uh, you know, showing up as a video call that you're having with your uh, teller. And what it allows is also having one person interact with many people but still have uh, a feeling with the customer that uh, the teller is focused only on you. And you can see that in many other companies, like, you know, uh, they're trying to, uh, you know, fine-tune this model, but you're seeing what is called this AI-enabled, uh, AI-augmented interaction, where uh, you have a human as the face, but that human is able to work with many, many, many customers 
because they are helped by AI that does all the back-end work for them. Right, right. And, and I, I want to ask about how, um, I mean, this, this book um, is, uh, again, called The AI Marketing Canvas, A Five-Stage Roadmap to Implementing Artificial Intelligence in Marketing. How, what does a transaction look like from start to finish using AI and, and how do people that that want to uh, oh what um, energize their sales using AI what what do they need to do to to get started because it's not something you can just download and set it and forget it <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, that's a, a really important point you made at the end there. It's really important to understand that this is not a, you download and start the whole process. This is a journey. And uh, the transaction part of the question is the, cha- the, the success of AI is if the transaction doesn't look any different than what would happen uh, normally. Right, so if you go to a coffee shop and the coffee shop uh, owner knows you and you know greets you by your name, the coffee shop owner can do it for ten people, maybe twenty people. If he's really he or she is really good, hundred people. But how can uh, someone like Starbucks do that for like you know close to nineteen million customers on their loyalty program? And that's basically what AI does: is it it should stay in the background but help like the transactions happen in a way that everybody feels special. Now, how do you do that? Where do you begin? It begins with the data. It begins with first party. When I say first party, it is with consent, direct to consumer relationship, not third party compilation of your your behavior online. This is really with consent where you are working directly with the consumers. So that would be like if you go back to the Starbucks Starbucks example, it started with the creation of the mobile app and their loyalty program. So they were able to collect information about consumers. And then uh, that's our five stages that we talk about. The first stage is the foundation. You really need data about consumers directly from them about their interactions with you. And then you start with experiments where you let a thousand flowers bloom, see which one is working for you as a company. And it's really a journey from there on where you slowly expand and then transform your entire organization. And eventually, uh, the fifth stage is monetization where the capabilities you develop to serve your customers are, at least for now, a premium which many brands are not able to do it themselves. And you can, if you are really good at it, like Starbucks or Washington Post and Coca-Cola have found, they can create new sources of revenue by sharing this information or sharing this uh, know-how with other companies so they can personalize their interactions with their customers. With the um, advent of uh, artificial intelligence, who is it that you're hoping um, can benefit most from this new mm-hmm. book, Raj, uh, the AI Marketing Canvas, a five-stage roadmap to implementing 
artificial intelligence in marketing? Is it big companies? Is it small companies? You know, who, who do you think needs to add AI to their toolbox? Um, I think both and in different ways they benefit. Uh, with the big companies, the they have the scale and the need to personalize and the machines need, they need the help of the machines to personalize. So the big companies definitely, their challenge, which is also an advantage for the small companies, is that they are a complex organization with different databases, with different, they've grown in a way, perhaps through acquisition, and the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing. And so it's tough to connect all of that information together. And that's where a lot of work happens in the big companies. And they have legacy systems as well that they have to bring to the current age. With the small companies, uh, yes, they have lower scale, and so they may not have that much data, but uh, they have uh, an advantage that they are digital natives, that they don't have the legacy issues, they don't have the complexity, they can directly, uh, they can build a direct relationship with consumers and start their, uh, focusing their efforts with AI. And also, vendors are starting to help the small businesses with advanced machine learning as well. Just last week, uh, Google announced that it is going to make, um, you know, this is very, uh, goes into very nuanced, nerdy territory of uh, AI in marketing, but uh, it has implications for what you're talking here is, um, they said they've changed their, uh, one of their basic services called uh, media attribution which says, okay, which media, which campaign do you put in Facebook or Google or like YouTube, right? Uh, they have now helping even small businesses with machine learning and AI. It was not the case before. And they're doing it because they're assimilating like aggregated information from many small businesses and helping uh, each individual out. Or th at least that is what I think uh, uh, from what they said. I'm presuming that's what is going on. So this tells you that there is a possibility of growth for even small businesses, even if they don't have data, that there are where there is uh, the technology has improved in a way that you can benefit from some of the machine learning that some of the major vendors have. And so uh, I think both big companies and small companies can benefit from it. Uh, they just have different issues they have to deal with to make this work for them. Is there a lot of expense involved in uh, adapting AI to, uh, to your marketing program? I think the cost is reducing as we speak um, because uh, the good part about these things is uh, predictions are getting cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. Uh, and so the main um, expense is really your patience and mindset. That <laughs> the main thing is like you got to change uh, the, uh, the organization's mindset to work in marketing like that, right? Like treat marketing in a different way than what you were used to before. What's the the first step for somebody that's well? 
I, I guess the first step would be to read Raj's book, AI the, uh, the, <laughs> Thank you. The, the AI Marketing Canvas, A Five-Stage Roadmap to Implementing Artificial Intelligence in Marketing. But what, what can people who are listening and think, boy, I wish I could... I wish I could do something to gather better information to have, you know, um, more effective contacts with new and existing customers. Um, what What is the, the first step in all of this? I think the first step is to think about how, uh, what value can you provide your consumers that they're willing to then tell give opt-in to sharing information with you. And so you can then build the database of your consumers and your interactions with them. So the first point is really important is like what value can you provide them? Just asking them is not going to be something that is sustainable. You have to give something in return in terms of some services or some other thing that the consumer values. So for example, uh, Unilever, you know, they make all sorts of consumer goods, uh, ponds, uh, uh, seventh generation, all these different brands in the good, but they sell primarily in grocery stores. So they, for a, the big organization like them, they still don't know, um, any, like they don't know, identify like which consumer is transacting with them. The retailers know them. They don't. The Unilever doesn't. So in Thailand, what they did was they gave, Mm, uh, consumers credit for a very popular social media platform there. It was uh, cyber credits for a platform that a lot of Thai people like in exchange for Unilever to have a, a by consent relationship directly with those consumers. And by now, and it was so successful, they have a third of the population on their database and they can directly talk to them and they use that to launch a seventh generation in Thailand. So this and so that is the first step really is what value can I provide my consumers so that they are willing to share information with me. And what kind of data is uh, um, AI able to assemble and and draw from? So the data can be varied, but like in marketing, basically the way you look about data is that you think about a customer, right? You think about Raj, okay, he has, uh, if I'm a customer of Warby Parker, the glass, uh, eyeglass company, they know that I first transacted with them on their website, say, in 2012. And... I don't know, Warby Parker was there at the time. Let's say 2018, right? And then uh, they know that I created an account but did not buy. And then they know that, okay, I ordered those five glasses, but I returned all of them because I didn't like any of them. And then they also know that I did not try the virtual try-on option. And then eventually in 2019, I bought from them one glass and then... I also visited their store in 2020. So that's the information you need to be able to then say, okay, if I visit the store in 2020, you know the type of glass I got and what models I like and are there any, was it a sunglass or a regular glass? And you also know whether I, I'm comfortable using virtual try-on options or 
do I need some help in the store? So that's the kind of information you need is know each individual person and know from the very first time how they interacted with you to like today across different mediums. Right? And so then you're able to use that information to first understand what each person's preferences are and then there is the management decision and judgment comes in in knowing once you predict what they would like, how do you approach them and how do you present yourself to them? That is still human, right? And that's kind of, but you can focus on that stuff and leave the predictions to the machines. Is the information um, exclusively transactional and how much can you tell about customers from their past uh, buying habits? A lot. I think the main best information uh, we found about uh, customers is their purchase behavior because that's the revealed preference. Surveys are always very difficult because it's tough to uh, predict what consumers would do based on survey information. There's a big gap between what people say they do and what they do. And if you know what they did, it's the best kind of information you have. So it could be something like they're browsing online on your website. So the privacy issue comes when you're browsing somewhere else and you're still tracking. But when they're on your website, you use that information on where they focus on and where they did not. That That's golden in terms of information for uh, ability to know what consumers want. Raj, what... Um How universal is AI marketing going to be going forward? I think, <laughs> I'm not, uh, okay, it's hard to predict how the world will uh, evolve because the minute you say something like that, it's really the opposite that happens, right? But <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Then suddenly there's a big backlash and we are not like going to go after with data. But, you know, I, so far I can look at the history and if the current trends evolve, it's going to go like it more and more is going to happen like this. Because definitely, like I said before, uh, the cost of predictions and the cost of using these machines is coming down. And the ability to train people to use this and we are also seeing, uh, so I can talk about like factors that will help that tell something is going to happen, right? More and more graduates are getting grad, are uh, coming out of universities uh, trained to do this. And so, and consumers are more and more getting used to um, being online and using their mobile phones and transacting with brands online so if we it's like this convergence of cost going down more people with skills in this field and consumers getting more used to transacting with brands like this so if you think about like the factors that like you know are driving this change it seems inevitable that it is going to be happening more and more often in the future but as i said in the beginning 
the minute you make some predictions immediately it goes away and yeah. it becomes gone <laughs> but <laughs> a lot a lot of political candidates have found that out <laughs> uh, but but Raj, let me let me ask you this are there are there some uh big companies or well established i guess is the way i uh, i want to put it companies that that will work with uh, businesses to help develop their AI program, or is this kind of the Wild West? It is getting to be, uh, uh, there are big companies, like I just talked about Google, Amazon has its services too, Microsoft has it, almost all the big guys have it. Uh, Adobe is really good with this too. And But um, you also have like this interesting new companies coming up, that have like really cool uh, technologies and abilities to do stuff, right? So uh, it, it is, yes, the prediction costs are going down because the big companies are able to uh, do this in scale and really bring the cost down. Uh, but at the same time, so that's the exploitation part of the market. It's a long-term exploitation, but like in terms of the business, we talk about refining a current system as exploitation and exploring new fertile grounds as exploration. And you're seeing a lot of small companies, you know, really explore new territories with AI. And big companies do that too, but their main push also is around uh, driving the cost down, which the small companies, because of their scale, really cannot do. My guest is Raj Vankitesen, and um, or Vankatesen. I'm 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 gonna get it, Raj. Um, <laughs> he is co-author of the AI Marketing Canvas: A Five-Stage Roadmap to Implementing Artificial Intelligence in Marketing. And on on a final note, Raj, I I want to thank you. Uh, I feel like we're just scratching the surface here because this is uh, a brave new world, but. Um, I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more. And and I would also ask if it's best to, to work with a consultant to help know what you want and what you need. Because some people might be, you know, thinking, wow, that sounds like a good idea, but I have no idea how it would fit into what I'm doing. Um, certainly, uh, yes. I think uh, the place where we say to begin with is to work with your current vendors, people who give you data or like people who are already giving you information about, you know, how your uh, web analytics is happening. So start with your current vendors. I'm sure they also have services to help with uh, planning out, like taking you to the next level with analytics and AI. And for our, of course, you can, we are, uh, you know, eager to work as well so you can reach us at uh, you can find both jim and i on uh, linkedin our book is uh, available we have a website uh, called uh, aimcbook.com uh, you can find us there and the book is available on uh, amazon and there are a lot of uh, and uh, i also have two coursera courses one on marketing analytics and one on ai and marketing those would be good places also to uh, find more about this, get a little more depth into this topic. And uh, there are other uh, Coursera courses as well on AI. 
Well, uh, Raj, they are Raj, we're going to have to end it there. But thanks so much and keep up the good work. Thank you, Tom. Pleasure uh, right. meeting you and thank you for having me. Take care. And we'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. Hi, this is Joe Bye from the Blue Hawaiians, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner program. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Start your weekend early with the Tom Sumner Program every Friday live at 11. We turn the spotlight on the world of arts and entertainment featuring artists from music, TV, and the movies. Catch everything from the rich local talent pool in and around Flint and Genesee County to up-and-coming stars of stage and screen, plus legends from New York and Hollywood. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zondrick. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Start your weekend right. Go to 11 Fridays on the Tom Sumner Program. Those hands, no matter whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy, which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. Always use Life Boy for hands and face as well as the back. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. W.H. Weiskarper, a recent guest on the show, has pledged 50% of the proceeds from his book Twilight of Empire from sales between October 1st and October 31st to support the Tom Sumner program. W.H. Weiskarper, a former National Security Advisor and counsel for the U.S. Senate Armed Services Committee, pulls no punches fusing history with political intrigue in Twilight of Empire, the third of four planned novels in the Resurrection Saga series. W.H. Weiskarper, 
Rice Carver's book, Twilight of Empire, shows that the U.S. has all the wealth, science, and resources to solve every issue we face today. Twilight of Empire by W.H. Wise Carver is available on Amazon and Apple Books. For more information and to support the Tom Sumner Program, visit whwisecarver.com. The Tom Sumner Program.com. Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. That computer that tore us apart, dear. Automation broke my heart. There's an RCA 503 standing next to me, dear, where you used to be. Doesn't have your smile. Doesn't have your shape Just a bunch of punch cards And light bulbs and tape Dear You're a girl who's soft Warm and sweet But you're only human And that's obsolete Though I'm very fond of that new 503 Dear, automation's not for me. It was automation, I'm told. That's why I got fired and I'm out in the cold. How could I have known when the 503 Started in to blink, it was winking at me, dear. I thought it was just some mishap when it sidled over and sat on my lap. But when it said, I love you, and gave me a hug, dear. That's when I pulled out 
it's plugged. <laughs> This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program.
Program, don't you know? Go on, go on, get out of here. <laughs> 